sorry, I was not listening. What were you saying? I was looking up. The, I was trying to figure out the rush yards, and uh, I didn't even do it. So, yeah, what were you saying? What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard podcast on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. It's Thursday, so you know what that means. The human wet blanket, Levin Black. Hi, Levin. Hello, Rob. Fresh off the road uh, for me. So this should be an interesting one. I've never recorded after driving for eight and a half hours in a day. So you're going to be in just an extra good mood today is what you're telling me. (laughs) Uh, Well... It's nice to be able to relax for the first time in a week because I've been <laughs> at family's house, you know, and people are around and my kid's sleeping in an unusual situation. So I'm worried about her waking up because she's not in a normal bed and all that stuff. Well, she's in her normal bed. I don't have to worry about it. I can kind of relax. But before I can truly relax, I got to talk to you. Yeah, I know. Well, thanks for bailing on me on the instant reacts. Shout out to Javi Vega who hopped in. Always nice to talk with our man, Javi. Uh, Normally, I tell you, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always appreciate everything that you do to support us. And it's been really cool this week, Levin, because, you know, years wrapping up, Spotify is sort of putting out their numbers, the kind of the end of the year numbers. And we've had a lot of you tweet at us and show us just how much time that you have spent with us this year. And it's honestly like it means a lot to me. Because like they said in the Avengers movie, all the money in the world never bought a second of time. And you are spending a lot of time with us and we are so grateful. And I promise you that we are going to keep trying to earn that because that is the most valuable thing you have is your time. And we appreciate you spending it with us. Right. Like some people tagged us and they had like 3000 minutes. (laughs) That's 50 (laughs) hours of listening to us. 50 hours, almost an hour a week. That's pretty much every episode. That means they listen to our podcast. And just thank you. That's all I could say. Like, it's it's amazing to me. I'm, I will always be grateful for it. So uh, we appreciate it. Feel free to tweet us anytime. All those minutes allows Rob to stay in his basement for his job. That's right. Like, that's not a dig. That's just a fact. <laughs> no, it's not. That's the fact. <laughs> so I trust me. I am very, very grateful. If you grateful. stop listening, Rob has to leave his basement. Right. And we nobody <laughs> wants that, really. It's everyone is better off with me down here in the dim lighting, just far away from other people. Um, all right. Let's get into this game this week, Levin. There's a lot of stuff that has come along with the game, even more than we thought, thanks to Raheem Mostert and some of the comments that he made. But let's just get into the first basic part of it, which is Mike McDaniel against Kyle Shanahan, student against mentor. Who do you think actually has the advantage, if anybody? Because Joe Staley was on KMBR on Monday and he said he didn't believe any of it and that anybody has an advantage. It will be an interesting chess match because I, I would say on the face of it that McDaniels has the uh, advantage because he knows this team. All the players are pretty much the same. There's been very little changes. He knows what Kyle wants to do with a Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense. He knows what he wants to do with Debo. He knows what he wants to do with Ayuk. He knows all of that so he can adjust, whereas, you know, he's the new guy. So what new wrinkles will he introduce? He has a new team. He has Tyreek. He has Waddle. Kyle won't know necessarily what McDaniels wants to do as much as McDaniels will know what Kyle wants to do. 
But then you have the fact that, you know, what does Kyle always say about his play calling? Once he knows what you think, he can adjust to thwart that. And that's when Kyle thrives. So he knows what McDaniel knows, and he can play against that by maybe running a play where it looks like the normal thing, and then suddenly that player's leaking out, or the player, instead of, you know, cutting inside on a post that they always saw on film, he runs a double move and goes deep instead. He can play off of McDaniel's own expertise. So I think it's going to be a very interesting thing, and it depends on how much Kyle changes what the offense has been. Because if he just stays with it and he says, well, our players just have to win their matchups, McDaniels has a huge advantage. But if he changes it, well, now you got players that saw things on film that are expecting one thing and the other thing happens. I would say it kind of swings the other way. But you know the old saying, right? It's not the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. McDaniel (laughs) might know the X's and the O's, but the 49ers offense is way more talented than the Dolphins defense. The Dolphins defense is not very good. It's just not. So I don't know who has the advantage. I think you could get into a sort of like, well, you know, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do this. But I know that you know that I know. So you're yeah. going to do that. Like eventually. Endless never, cycle. Right. Yeah, yeah. It never ends. Um, ultimately. But, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I, I think your point that you were making there earlier, when the Miami offense is on the field, it, it's an even matchup. Top offense against top defense. When the 49ers are on the field, they should have the advantage. That should be the difference in this game. Should is the key word there. <laughs> right. So, I I mean, I was surprised because Vegas does not think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. I believe the over-under is 46, which is – and the Niners are favored by four, so that's 25-21, right? So, Vegas is telling you they don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to go up and down the field. I don't think they will either. I think they'll score some. I think that that second half scoreless streak will probably end. I assume I I hope it doesn't, of course, but I assume that it will. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not shaking in my boots to face this Miami offense. Are they good? Yeah. But like, who have they really put up a lot of their big games against? Even the last four. It's kind of the scrubs of the league. It's not like they're doing this against the best defenses, right? Who'd they play last week? Houston. They stink. The week before, they played Cleveland. The week before that, they played Chicago. The week before that, they played Detroit. When they played anybody with a semblance of defense, the Steelers, they put up 16 points. Now, they won the game to their credit. But, like, I don't know. I'm just not quaking in my boots to face Miami. Am I just being prideful, or do you think that maybe their offense isn't as good as it has looked? Their offense isn't as consistent as you would think. They put up a lot of yards. They score a lot of points. But it comes on big plays, and that's to be expected with all the crazy speed they have. But in terms of actual like times that they get the ball and then they go score, they're only eighth in the league in terms of score percentage, where they get some points on a drive. And that's you know that's less than the Raiders, that's less than the Bengals. It's it's less than offenses most people think are worse than the Dolphins. Wow, and they're playing the defense that has given up the fewest points in a percentage. That same stat, number or percentage that a team gets the ball and then scores some points, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, the Niners are only giving up uh, a scoring drive 25% of the time versus the Dolphins scoring 40% of the time. So they're playing the top offense at limiting the other team's ability to score points on a drive, 
and they're not as dominant as you would think at that. The key is, obviously, you cannot allow the 60-70 yard play. That's going to be the key. If the Dolphins can get a couple of those, they're going to win this game. All right, so then let's let's jump off of that because of what I said to you before we hit record, and it's something I said earlier with Kyle Posey yesterday, is I think that this is the game where Hufanga is really going to get tested in coverage because everybody knows speed is not his strong point. In fact, it's one of the weaker parts of his game. I think he ran like a four six five forty, and here comes Tyreek Hill, and here comes Jalen Waddle, who are faster than sh- through a goose. I think they are just going to run right at him, basically. And I'm really interested to see what D'Amico Ryans does to try and prevent that because he's not stupid. He knows that's what they're probably going to do. So I'm interested to see how they use Hufanga, how much they use him. And I'm, I am a little worried that some of those big plays that you're talking about are going to be on him because he's going to be sort of circled by Mike McDaniel. It'll be interesting to see if McDaniel goes like right at him early in the game, has that over-the-top uh, Tyreek deep ball going right at him. We'll see. Uh, they could they could do some things where they drop him down, kind of take him out of that element where they have another guy drop back, have Gibson, for instance, just play a super deep safety role. Uh, we'll see. That that would be a D'Amico Ryan's thing. And like we have seen, D'Amico will adjust if he needs to adjust in the middle of the game. Um, I, I do think it, it's a little bit lesser than you would think because Jalen Waddle isn't, necessarily the guy that's been taking the top off the defense he gets a short pass and then turns it into something you know he's so quick on those across the middle short shallow routes out routes to where it's really hard to stay with him and he ends up getting a lot of catches but also a lot of yards or or, yeah a lot of yards then a lot of catches I don't know that he's necessarily the guy that's going to go the go route and beat you over the top 40 yards in the air Well, that's the other test for this Niners defense is going to be on the linebackers because the other thing that the Dolphins can do is run everybody deep, which opens up everything underneath. So it's going to be on Aziz and Dre Greenlaw and, of course, Fred Warner to cover a lot of ground, I think, in this one, frankly, because I do think the Niners are going to have to adjust with their safety coverage in their corner so they don't get beat deep. And so then it's going to be on the linebackers to be like, well, you sort of have to take care of everything underneath, which is. Look, they've certainly got the guys to do it. The Niners passing coverage in terms of linebackers is maybe the best in the league. But I also think that this is the game where Bosa has to win the defensive player of the year. He has to be the defensive player of the year. You have to, have to, have to get pressure on Tua this week. Because if you don't, then I think it is a tall task for the secondary to guard those guys. You need Bosa to win and win early. That puts less pressure on the linebackers and less pressure on the secondary. I think he can do it. Like, he is that good. He was amazing on Sunday against the Saints. His stat line wasn't huge, but Bosa blew up multiple plays from the Saints, especially in crucial areas and times of the game. I think he's going to have to do that this week against Miami as well. See, I, I think the 49ers have a pretty clear path in this game defensively. In my opinion, the Dolphins don't run the ball well. As good of an offense as they've been, they're limited by that run game. Uh, they're they're only averaging four yards a carry as an offense. Haven't you heard? They're going to go crazy this yeah. week. Uh, but they're towards the bottom of the list in terms of yards per rush. They're not efficient whatsoever running the ball. I think you can make them one-dimensional. You know, the Niners have the best run defense in the league. They're giving up, uh, what is it, 3.3 yards per rush, I believe. I haven't 
re-looked at that stat in a couple days uh, to refresh my memory, but I think it's 3.3 yards. I think they can shut down that run game, and that makes them one-dimensional. And then the adjustment you make for your opponent is you play the safeties a little bit deeper. Just say, don't let anything over the top. If we don't give up the big play, they're not going to beat us because they're not going to run the ball. Well, that means they're going to be in some third and longs, and we'll be able to stop them enough. Did you catch the weird stat on the broadcast that they mentioned last week? The Niners on third and short give up a conversion 78% of the time. I heard that and I was like blown away. But I think that's a direct result of Kinlaw and Armstead not being there, frankly. Um, yeah, that's true. But, we, and we can talk about this as we get into the, the running back comments from the Dolphins. If you're giving up yards in the rush game, then you got no shot. You got to be able to shut down at least one of the things. Um, I'm not scared of the Dolphins run game. I don't care that Raheem Mostert said they're going to run wild. I don't care that he's mad. I don't care that Jeff Wilson is mad. I said it to Kyle Posey yesterday. I'll say it again. Jeff Wilson is mid. He's a mid. There's nothing (laughs) special about him. He can get as mad as he wants to get. Okay. Sorry, Jeff. You are who you are. And I totally get why he would want to be traded once they got McCaffrey. I don't blame him for that. No problem at all. But don't talk like you were somehow wronged or that you're going to show the world. Like, no, dude, you're just not. So bring it on, guys. Bring it, Mostert, whatever. I know he tried to smooth over the comments. I'm not buying that, all right? He didn't mean to trash Jimmy, but he trashed Jimmy. And that's just yeah, a fact. Thanks for the ammo. Right. <laughs> That's got to fire up the team. You saw Debo respond to it, uh, basically calling him out, but he did call out Jimmy. You can't say it's nice to have a quarterback that can really sling it without that being a slight on the previous guy because you're inferring that the previous guy couldn't do it. He the said the word guy is Jimmy. He said the word actually, and they specifically yeah. asked him about that on KMBR, and he was like, well, I'm a surfer, and that's just how I talk. No, dude, no. You got comfortable in the interview. And you didn't fully think about your answer. And then you said it. And a lot of these athletes, when they say these things. This is then, what, no, this is what drives me nuts. What he said is true. <laughs> right. That's also true. <laughs> like Jimmy doesn't sling it. What has been, he's been a little bit different, but really when you're starting to break it down, it, he hasn't gone a, as deep as you would think. He's found some success there this year. So he's been more successful, but he's not throwing deep more often than he was. He's just converting it more frequently. But that has always been Jimmy's big thing, is that he doesn't throw deep enough, and when he does, he's not efficient. So it's not wrong of Raheem to say it. That always drives me nuts. Like, players get mad when the truth is said. It sounds like trash talk, but it's not trash talk if it's true. Then it's just a statement of fact, Right. right? You could say Debo has hands of stone. He does. He's leading the league in drops, and he was (laughs) way up there last year. He needs to catch the damn ball. And full disclosure, we reached out to Tyler Dunn to try and get him to come on tonight. He was very nice. He said he didn't want to really make a big thing out of this whole back and forth with Raheem Mostert. Um, But I just think that Raheem's trying to walk it back, but the toothpaste is out of the tube, like you said. Debo saw it. And if there's one thing we know about the 49ers, like they rally around Jimmy Garoppolo. They will circle the wagons for him. So I think you're right. Thanks for the info. And Charles Amenehu responded to Raheem saying that they're going to run wild too. And Amenehu basically said, like, why does anybody think they're going to run wild on this defense? Because, like we talked about, the Niners have the best rush defense in the league. 
So yeah, I think there's a little more juice in this one. Even if Kyle Shanahan downplays the whole reunion with McDaniel part of it, I think that Mostert did provide bulletin board material. Now on the opposite side of the of the ball, I, I think there's a very interesting uh, dynamic that's going to happen. And this is where I think McDaniels and Kyle are really going to go at it in terms of the chess match. The Dolphins have given up the second most receptions to tight ends in the league. They give up a lot to the tight ends defensively. So this would seem to indicate that it's the Kittle game. But at the same time, we know that in cer- certain circumstances, Kyle's going to keep Kittle in to block. So does uh, Mike McDaniels constantly blitz that spot to force Kyle to keep him in to block? Or is Kyle going to take the risk of a big sack or, you know, Jimmy fumbling the ball when he gets hit or something along those lines? Like that's a very interesting dynamic, just that small part of it, of will McDaniels help his defense play in a certain way that Kittle's not allowed to go out for routes nearly as often as he should. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, but also, like, Kyle seems to limit Kittle. Although I will say, Kyle Posey had an awesome breakdown on YouTube this week. There was a play where George Kittle was wide open. Wide open. And Jimmy didn't throw it to him. It was in the red zone, too. Or maybe it was like the 25, but it was in the green zone, as they say. And uh, Kittle just had an out route towards the sideline, and it is right there. And Jimmy doesn't take it. I, I think that with Jimmy that there is, I think Jimmy is very aware of, I haven't thrown an interception in now four straight games. I think he's aware of that too. Because it seems like he's still passing up throws that are there to be made. And he's going with more of the sure thing. And look, I get it when you have a defense that's that good. But there are still going to be times in a game, especially the closer you get to the end zone. The windows get smaller. The decisions need to be made quicker and the balls need to be more accurate. That third down play to Juwan Jennings where Jimmy throws the ball and Juwan catches it near the goal line, but he's tackled at like the one or the two. And then the Niners have to go for it on fourth down. If Jimmy throws that ball to the pylon, Juwan can catch it and has a chance to score. But because Jimmy throws the ball back to the inside, Jennings can't score on that play. Those are the passes that need to be, those things just need to be tightened up a little bit. And then you'll see the Niners red zone offense start to produce a little more. It will be interesting to see. I don't want to see it, but if McCaffrey is not able to go, he didn't practice on Wednesday. If he's not able to go, how does that change Jimmy? Because we've seen him. He he has made that adjustment. Christian McCaffrey is his safety valve. Oh, first and second read aren't there. Where's McCaffrey? I'm just going to dump it off. If he's not able to go, Eli Mitchell's out. That means it's Jordan Mason. You're not going to see that same dump off situation. But why I not? Think... That's what I don't understand. Like, why did Jimmy Garoppolo need Christian McCaffrey to learn to throw a checkdown pass? <laughs> well, I do think the offense changed a little bit. You do see McCaffrey like sit there in that safety spot, uh, meaning as a safety valve spot, a lot more. You don't see him running necessarily a true route. He's just finding the gap in the defense so that if things don't go, Jimmy goes, okay, where is he at? Oh, there he is, and trusts that he's open because I think that's what he is truly doing. McCaffrey is, okay, stay in the block. If you're not needed, go out and find the soft spot in the in the defense. And the other running backs haven't been given that. I, I see them either don't run routes at all or they truly run a route and they're they're gone. They're not sitting there for the easy dump off or they stay in the block. 
Well, figure um, it out, guys. Right. Right. Damn. But Jordan Mason, are you going to trust him in that role? Oh, go find the soft spot. In the no, you know who they're going to trust no. in that role. Who? Tevin Coleman. Yeah, that's true. Uh, probably. <laughs> probably be a lot of Tevin Coleman in this game if Christian McCaffrey can't go, which then changes pretty much everything. The offense needs to take risks at that point. Well, I'm excited to see Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price, to be honest with you. And I'm, I don't know that they're going to be amazing, but I, I kind of just want to see, right? Like, we've been seeing Jordan Mason in the preseason, and he looked really good and strong. And we've been hearing all in all these practices how good he looks, how he makes, like, one big play every practice. And then he came in last week, Levin, and I give him a lot of credit. He was the best running back of the day on Sunday. The Saints were doing everything they could to stop him at the end of that game. He was running with power. He was finishing, falling forward. He was picking up basically five yards a carry. I would not mind seeing a whole game of that. I wouldn't mind seeing him, but I don't want to see it at the expense of McCaffrey. Well, of course. You know, like I, I want to see him mixed in there, even if McCaffrey is good to go. I want Jordan Mason to be mixed in there as a change of pace. You know, get five to ten carries a game. But I don't want to see him be the bell cow because that means McCaffrey's out. And I do think if McCaffrey's out, that swings this game pretty heavily in Miami's favor. So I just I don't trust Jimmy in a game where he's going to have to pass. Here's the thing about McCaffrey, though. as Just as a running back, he hasn't really been that no. great with the Niners. If you just look, eight carries for 38 against Kansas City, that was great. 18 for 94 against the Rams. That was great. Against the Chargers, 2.7 yards per carry. Against Arizona, actually, you know, okay, against Arizona, he was better than I thought at 5.5 yards a carry. But then against New Orleans, 2.9 yards per carry. So in the last three games, he's been under three yards a carry in two out of the three of them. So that's not He's ideal. averaging 4.2 overall with the 49ers. But like you just pointed out, it's kind of hit or miss. It's not been consistent. And he usually, like, the yards per carry can be a little misleading at times, too, because he can pop a big one for 20 or 25 and then do nothing on the other runs of the game, and his average still looks okay. Um, So let's see what it is with Jordan Mason. But I agree, without Christian McCaffrey, it does make you more worried about Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game and potentially turning it over. Do you think the Niners will be able to run the ball on Miami and, and sort of I don't want to say drag out because that's not the right word, extend their time of possession and keep Miami off the field. I think so. Like they should win that trench matchup. They should be able to win that, which means even if Jordan Mason is the running back, they should be able to run. It's just, do you, do you want to have the ball in Jordan Mason's hands 20 times and count on a rookie that's never been exposed like that to not make a mistake and fumble the ball Something like that. That that would make me a little nervous, but they should be able to run the ball. And if they're finding success, keep running it, obviously. Like, if they have to go with Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price and Tevin Coleman and they're going in and they're getting five yards of carry, just keep running. What will piss me off more than anything else is if they go with Tevin Coleman and he's getting two yards of carry and they're just like, well, we're not going to try these other guys. Right, which could happen. It would not surprise me whatsoever. I firmly expect to see Tevin Coleman not only off the practice squad, but in this game. I wouldn't be shocked if he got the start, to be honest with you. We know that Kyle loves his guys. Passing-wise, you talked about Kittle a little bit. 
I sure would love to see Debo get the ball and a little further down the field. Michelle Maju pointed it out a couple weeks ago that they are his average depth of target is like four yards past the line of scrimmage. It's crazy low. It's way lower than it was last year. I'd love to see them use him more down the field because he is so damn explosive and he does break so many tackles, but they don't seem to be doing that. Maybe teams are loading up against it. I don't know, but you're going to need something out of your passing game this week. And if you're going to throw the damn ball, throw it down the field. Yeah, but I, I have a hard time saying, well, Debo needs this or Debo needs that when Debo keeps dropping the ball. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to be completely honest. Like, I have a hard time wanting to take Ayuk out of getting the deep ball shot on one given play for Debo just because you need to get Debo going when I don't. I don't want to say he hasn't earned it, but I would rather Ayuk get that because he's better at that route. He's better at catching the ball right now. Like, he's just better. But I'm not saying it's got to be 20 yards down the field with Debo. How about seven? (laughs) Is that crazy? (laughs) Well, he gets those. It's just he has so many that are like zero or one yard because it's essentially a screen that it drops the average down. Yeah, you could be right. There was one nice play with Debo where he was the third read on the play and he was just he just ran out in the flat as just sort of a nothing option. And Jimmy just went one, two, three and just chucked it to Debo and he was wide open like there was nobody anywhere near him. And he just ran for like 15 yards. It was like, yes, that is what you can do. Go through your reads. One of them will be open. And because you have so many playmakers, sometimes that third read is Debo Samuel. That's supposed to be the advantage of this offense, that the third read is still a guy that can hurt you. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be the ultimate yak game because these are the two True. offenses that are built for that, that have players uniquely skilled at getting that. It, this game uh, is kind of cheap and. I guess cliche to say, but could come down to what team tackles better. <laughs> like, well, is Debo going to break the tackle, or is Tyreek going to outrun everybody? And because guys took poor angles, you know, that could literally be the difference in this game. I wanted to mention one more thing because I saw a tweet about it on Sunday, and I thought it was really cool. And I wanted to give the 49ers credit for it, and that was the special teams. It was early in the game. I think it was the first Saints punt, actually. They tried to substitute the punt team on the field late to force the Niners to have too many men on the field. And and then that way the Saints could just snap the ball and get a free first down. But San Francisco left basically the entire starting defense out on the field so that the punt went off without a hitch and the Saints couldn't steal essentially a first down. And I think that shout out to the Niners special teams because I dog them when they do bad. And that was a really smart thing they did. You could tell they were on alert all game last week because Taysom Hill was always out there on the punt teams. And I feel like I got to give them love because that's all coaching, right? That is a coaching thing. And if they screwed it up, I would have been screaming about it and they were all over it. Good job, Niners special teams. And hopefully they do the same thing this week. Uh, I completely agree. That was really smart, good coaching. Players stayed off the field and all that, but I, I couldn't help but start laughing inside as you were saying that. That you're you're saying good job, special teams. You stayed off the field. <laughs> well, <laughs> technically, yes, that's true. Uh, by the way, Taysom Hill, how did he do last week? Just out of curiosity, how did he do? 
Spoiler alert. He sucked. Six carries for 13 yards, one catch for seven yards. Get the hell out of here, Taysom Hill. (laughs) Is there a bigger, how the hell is this guy still getting paid as he is? Guy in the entire league? Like, he was signed to be a quarterback, and he doesn't play quarterback. And when you did try to play him as quarterback, he literally couldn't throw the ball as well as most wide receivers throw the ball on <laughs> trick plays. Like he, there were multiple times last year when he was truly starting and got got a, got the chance that a guy was open like forty yards down the field and he could only throw it thirty yards. And like, Sean Payton, not a quarterback, got rid of Sean Payton. Was like, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. So yeah, just I'll always take joy in that. I was a thousand percent right about Taysom Hill. All these people were saying he was a franchise quarterback. Some people were saying he was going to be the next Steve Young, which is such an insult to Steve Young. It's absurd. <laughs> I just I need, feel the need to point out, defend Steve's honor a little bit, which we will always do on this show because you and I love him. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Sean Payton comes back next year and first thing he does is trade for Taysom Hill? <laughs> Great. <laughs> I can literally see it. He is the one, by the way, that said Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback. Right. There's a lot of rumors, actually, that if Cliff gets fired in Arizona, that Sean Payton could be the guy that they bring in there. So feel free, Sean. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, I don't want Sean Payton in division. I agree. I especially over Cliff Kingsbury. Give me five more years to Cliff. I mean, that that offense has a ton of potential. If you can get Kyler Murray to stop acting like a 10 year old. Apparently, that's very difficult to do. As Patrick Peterson just said, Kyler only cares about Kyler, which I love. Uh, I love to see the other teams in the division on fire. It's great. Yeah, and he again, that's a player saying the truth. Kyler Murray's whole True. whole problem is he's taking everything for granted and being acting like a child who doesn't watch film. They literally wrote into his contract <laughs> and then had to back out of it. Hey, you have to watch film each week. Like that it tells was... you everything. They can say what they want. Mm-hmm. The fact that that was ever put into the contract, even if it never got signed in the contract, The fact that it was put into the contract, they felt the need, hey, we're going to send an offer that this is in the contract, tells you he doesn't freaking watch film. And it wasn't even that much film. Like, even if he fulfilled those. Something like 10 hours a week or something. Yeah. Like, that's like nothing. It's like two hours a day. Like, damn, man. So, whatever. Good. Cardinals stink. The Rams stink. The Seahawks, I feel like, are coming down to earth a little bit. And that was a huge win. Shout out to the Raiders. Josh yeah. Jacobs sprinting 86 yards down the field. Kyle Posey and I were talking about it now. If everything holds the way the way it currently is, the Niners could have a nice little path to the NFC Championship game, Levin. Have you sort of worked through it yet? No, because there's so many games left. To me, it's pointless. Things will change. And there's the human wet blanket. Yeah. I just yeah. said, <laughs> if everything holds. Did you not hear that part? Yeah. But there's six games left, so who cares? You know how much is going to change? Maybe like, nothing. Even if nothing, the teams in the current positions, you're going to feel different about them. Maybe the Bucks get it together, you know, and you're you're going into the playoffs going, I don't really want to face them. Right now, just for those who are interested, I know my co-host isn't one of them, but right now the Niners would play the Giants in the wild card game. Yeah. How that you that feel would be very that? nice because the Giants are – not belonging in the playoffs whatsoever. Right. Good luck, Daniel Jones, against this defense. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. I'll take that. So then we go in the divisional round. So the Niners would play the Giants. The Vikings are the two seed. They would play 
the commanders. I assume that they would win that game. So then you and the Bucks would play the Cowboys. That's the other matchup. So then it's possible the Niners could get to the NFC Championship game without really having to play the cream of the NFC crop. I'll even if it's Tampa, they got to play in the next round. I'll take Tampa. I know it's Tom Brady. Tough. Like that. I am not scared of the Bucks. Rank the NFC teams. Or give me your top three teams you're scared of. Teams you would not necessarily scared of, but you would least want to face. I would least want to face Philly one because they're very good in the trenches. They have a mobile quarterback. That's what scares me is they can get away from Boza with the mobile quarterback and their defensive line is going to destroy our offensive line. (laughs) It's going to, that would be a tough one. Then number two would be Dallas. Um, just because they do have a very, very good defense. I'm not as scared of their offense. I know they have CeeDee Lamb, but that's kind of it. You know, I did see a, a stat today that since Dak came back, they're averaging 38 points per game first in the NFL, and they're like first in pretty much every offensive stat since Dak Prescott came back. Yeah. But I mean, they, third? they did whoop up on the Vikings 40-3. to three. Yeah. They're certainly not a bad offense, but I just I, I think they were a better offense last year with Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. This year, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I'm not terrified of it. Their receivers were better last year, no question. But they're more willing to say, okay, Tony Pollard. Yeah. It's your show. He's clearly that, better. That's the big thing. That, like this last year they were like, okay, Tony Pollard, cool. You had a 20 yard run. Here comes Zeke for the next five plays. <laughs> oh, we're punting. <laughs> this year, if Pollard's on, they're like, okay, Zeke, sit your butt down. We're going to go to Pollard 10 times. But don't forget, when the Niners beat them last year, Bosa missed basically the whole game with a concussion. Yeah. So even the, without their best defensive player, the Niners were still punking them on their own field. So again, I know their defense is better this year and it's a good defense, but I, that's why I just have them slightly behind the Eagles. Yeah, that that would be my top two. Uh, the only reason why I would put the Cowboys, I think the Bucks are third. The only reason why I'd put the Cowboys above them is uh, Michael Parsons scares the crap out of me. <laughs> He's pretty damn good, yeah. I have to say. I, I could see them just going... Hey, congrats. You get Mike McGlinchey every single play. We'll make sure of it. <laughs> right. We're going to line everything up to where you get a one-on-one with McGlinchey every single play. Yeah. Uh, if you don't like the bull rush, Mike McGlinchey, get ready. <laughs> Guess what's happening. But other than that, anybody in the NFC, I feel good about. Like, I expect the 49ers to win. The Cowboys, the Eagles, those are the games where I'm like, do I expect them to win? Yeah, but. That's the only difference in the NFC. In the AFC, I'm probably a lot more nervous, to be honest with you, but we only have to worry about that if the Niners get to the Super Bowl. And as we have seen painfully in 2012 and 2019, in one game, anything can happen. (laughs) Uh, The Eagles are the only one I would say I I would consider that a coin flip. Like, take your pick. Like, you can make an argument for either team having the advantage or either team having the disadvantage. The Cowboys, I, I, I would consider the Niners a slight favorite in that game just because of what happened last year, and I do think this team could still run on them. This is assuming either Eli Mitchell or Christian McCaffrey is healthy. Like, if both of them are out, and it kind of swings things. But, you know, you got to make those assumptions because the Cowboys could have injuries too. Right. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I, I, I think outside of those those two, 
I would consider the Niners pretty heavy favorites. And again, we've got a long way to go, like you said. Right. I do think it's fun to look at, though. Sorry. Sometimes, you know, you you just look through the window of the store. You don't go in and buy anything. It's still cool I to mean, look. the Giants could conceivably be the, the Cardinals this year, where they, like, lose out, essentially. Because the Commanders are a lot better with uh, Heineke in there. Yep. And um, you, you got the Cowboys... Like what team is going to definitely lose to the Giants? Like that would that's the question that runs through my head with them. Like what team in the NFC are they like, yep, okay, the Giants would definitely win that game. Playoff team or just in general? Any any team. Like I I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. Okay. What they have left, but I every single game, I would say, yeah, they could lose that game. Yeah, they could lose that game. There might be some teams that I would say they're the favorite on. But I would still say that in a large majority of games against NFC opponents, I would favor the other team. I don't, so it, I don't buy them at all. They have the Commanders this week. Then they have the Eagles. Then they play the Commanders again coming off the Commanders bye. So Washington plays the Giants twice in a row with a bye week uh, in between. Then the Giants go to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. They play the Colts and they finish up in Philly against the Eagles. Now that's if, a brutal ending. Yeah, if they lost every one of those games, I would be shocked because that's a long losing streak, but they're the right. underdog in every one of those games. Yeah, maybe the Colts they would be favored in, but that's more that that would be one that I would consider kind of a toss up. Right. The other ones I would say they're it's probably a toss up with the commanders. But even if they say they split with the commanders and they beat the Colts, that's only two more wins throughout the rest of the year. That gives them what, nine? I don't think that probably I don't think that gets them in. Like I, I don't think they necessarily make the playoffs. Like that, that would be a very good bet. I would say, like that, that would be a very interesting bet of do the Giants make the playoffs this year? I wonder if you can bet on that right now. If you gave me pretty good odds on that, I would probably bet against them. Like that's not an easy schedule whatsoever. Now I will say the Eagles are looking like they're going to have the number one seed completely locked up in that last week, so the Eagles could be benching everybody in that last week. True. And that could get them in the playoffs because they get you know, an assist. So, all right. I'm scrolling on the DraftKings website right now because now you've, you've piqued my curiosity. <laughs> the New York Giants are plus 100 right now to make the playoffs. They are minus 120 to miss the playoffs. So for anybody that doesn't know, plus $100, you bet $100, you win $100. Minus 120 means if you want to win $100, you have to bet $120. So Vegas is telling you they don't think the Giants are getting in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I wouldn't want that bet because of the odds, which that's pretty amazing to me. Like that should be a, a story in and of itself for the NFL. Like the Giants have this record. What are they, seven and three? Seven and four, I believe. Seven and four, yeah. They were seven and two at one point, but. Right. Um. Seven and four, and Vegas is saying, hey, you're not likely to make the playoffs. Like That's a pretty big story. Meanwhile, the 49ers, yeah, the to make the playoffs, minus 3,500 to make yeah. the playoffs. That's Yeah, and they have the same record. 3,500. So if you bet $100, you would make $35. <laughs> so you got to risk 100 to make 35 or you have to risk 3500 to make 100. Yeah. 
that's absurd. And then uh, for if you want to bet against the Niners, they're plus 1,400 to miss the playoffs. So Vegas says the Niners are getting in. And barring major injuries, which is always a factor, especially with this team, they should get in. And if they get in, like we've been saying, they're a threat to win the whole thing. Just get in the dance. Kyle Shanahan has said it many times. Just find a way in. And then it's a whole new season, whole new ball game. And you can. there's a lot to criticize with Kyle Shanahan. He's awesome in the playoffs. That is true. Uh, Jimmy is not, though. So that that's the balance there. Well, that's what I said. You know, I was talking about the Eagles game and my criticism of the Eagles is like, look, I've seen Jalen Hurts in the playoffs get shoved around and stink. When I've seen the 49ers in the playoffs, they win even when their quarterback stinks in the playoffs. That's the advantage the Niners have. All right. I want to correct one thing because while you were talking there, I was like, wait, I think I had it wrong. You don't win $35. You win $3.50. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> It doesn't say yeah. much for my math skills, but damn. Yeah. I was sitting there. I was like, wait, 3500 That's not $35. Yeah. Like, I would still probably bet $100 on the Niners making the playoffs if you got me $35. Like, that's a very, very safe bet at this point. Right. You're like, that's eh, free money. It's a free 35 yeah, bucks. free money. But $3.50, not <laughs> enough to bother with. Exactly. So... It's weird how the, the season has gone, but right now you feel good about the Niners. And I keep telling people, even though I think the Niners can win this game, even if they lose, it's okay. This is the game coming up in this stretch that it's okay to lose. I know it could be scary because the Seahawks could win and all that stuff, but don't freak yeah. out. It's all right if they lose. Tampa, Seattle, Washington, those next three are going to be the games that they really, really, really need to focus in on. So I feel like it's almost sort of like house money. If you can get another win, of course, you take another win. But if not, you're still okay. Can I just say one more thing about the playoffs? I, I, I don't like that there's only one bye team anymore. Like, Because if it wasn't for that, what would what would the Niners be talking about? What would we have a topic to talk about? Oh, the Vikings, they might lose enough games for the Niners to have a shot at a bye. That's completely out the window. Like, nobody's talking about the Niners potentially getting the bye because there's only one and the Eagles have a three-game lead on it. Like, I hate that. I miss that conversation. Like, that was always very interesting. Like, fighting to get that second seed was so huge, and that's just gone. And it was a big deal for the 49ers in 2019. I know they were the one seed, but they needed to win that final game because if they weren't, they were going to be the five seed, and they weren't going to get a bye, and they were so banged up by that point. I have said many times, I don't think they make the Super Bowl in 2019 without that bye week because they needed that week to just rest. And I, I I, mean, you could give the truth serum. I don't even know if you need the truth serum to Kyle Shanahan. He would tell you they would love another bye week, another week for Armstead to rest up, another week for McCaffrey to rest up, all of Jimmy, because I don't think Jimmy's going to be 100% going into this game either. Um, so, yeah, I, I – can get your frustration with only having the top seed now get the buy. Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be affected at all with the knee? He was a full I, participant yesterday. I think he, he will be, I won't say limited, but we've seen him moving to extend the plays and then throwing it deep. We've seen him do that multiple times in recent weeks. I don't know that we necessarily do that. I think he's going to be more willing to go down and just take the the sack, you know, maybe step up and try to make it not big loss. 
but I don't see him trying to extend the plays as much. He's going to protect a little bit. I think he's probably going to be a little bit affected by it, and he's going to be really worried about one more hit on it Yeah, when he's throwing off his thing, you know, because that's what happened is he was extending the play and then threw, and as he landed, he got hit in the knee. I think he's going to be really worried, like, that happens to me again, I'm going to be done. Could be. And then it's the Brock Purdy show. Gulp. And then the show's over. How worried were you when you saw him not get up off the field? And I was like, oh, man, are we really going to – is this really happening? Just when we feel like we've got, you know, everything going, we're going to have to see Brock friggin' Purdy. But credit to Jimmy, man. He stayed in the game, and he actually did talk about it after the game because I do agree with him and Kyle. I feel like he gets hit in the head a lot, and they don't call it. That's true. He does get hit in the head a lot, and it's supposed to be – any hit, even if it's not hard, a hand hitting him, yep. grazing the helmet, is supposed to be a penalty, period. And guess what? We see others get it. We see Brady. If you graze that helmet with you know, your pinky finger, <laughs> there's a flag thrown. And he's going to be barking for it and get it. Which is, I will say, you don't see Jimmy barking for him. And I do think that that affects things. Like, if you're constantly barking at the ref, hey, I just got hit in the head, you're probably going to get the next one. That's true. But that's why I was surprised to see him speak on it after the game because he usually just doesn't say anything. But, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it in the Super Bowl. He took a couple of shots, especially in that fourth quarter against the Chiefs. He took a couple of shots. I was wondering if maybe he was, you know, had his bell rung a little bit. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on. By the way, I just looked it up. Do you know that the Niners have lost the second least amount of yardage on sacks in the entire league? The Cowboys have only lost 89 yards on sacks all year. The Niners are second at 99 yards, and they have five more sacks than the Cowboys. So even when Jimmy has been sacked, he's done a good job of not making those losses just, you know, crippling drive enders. Yeah, he's not getting sacked seven, eight yards, which I would say part of that is is he's in, he's in the shotgun a lot more. Yep. So he's able to scan things, and it's more in front of him. He's not dropping back into a seven-step drop. If I'm not going to name names, but if an offensive lineman gets beat instantaneously and doesn't even get a hand on him, instead of it, Jimmy's still in his backdrop and he doesn't get a chance to do anything, it's Jimmy has the ball, sees the guy coming, can step up and get a couple yards for it. I think that does probably play a big big uh, factor in that, that he is back there already, so he's not having to drop back. So if somebody does get through really quickly, he can actually see it because it's already in front of him. He's not His momentum's not carrying him backwards, so he's able to step up. So, all right, give me your final score prediction in this one. Niners, Dolphins. First of all, are you joining me on the instant reacts? <laughs> I got to think. Uh, I'm completely thrown off because I've, I've been Man. out of town for a week. Look at this. I got to think. Like, what are you so busy doing? <laughs> work. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, not all of us get to work from their freaking basement, okay? It sounds like a you problem. Yeah, I got to Is it? It's a four o'clock start, isn't it? Yes, it is. You will be without me because I'll be sitting at work. Uh, Damn, this sucks. See, I never look. I never look these things ahead. Well, all right then. Give me your but score. The way prediction. the schedule, the way the schedule is falling right now, it's constantly. I'm out of town, or I'm at work. All right, jerk. You want my score prediction, huh? Yes. I guess you know since I have a podcast, I have to give my score prediction, huh? 
Uh, We're waiting. You all listening could see his face. He's so annoyed right now because I'm just drawing this out. <laughs> I'm going to edit the shit out of this. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with Vegas. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. Because uh, I, I do think the Niners will be able to limit the big plays. They might get one, but I don't see them getting a bunch of quick strikes. And I think the Niners are going to come out with the philosophy of, we're going to limit their possessions. We're going to come out. We're going to run the ball. We're going to keep the clock running. We're going to have short, quick strike passes, safe bets, so that that clock runs and they don't get as many touches. I think – I'm not sure either team gets to 20 points, honestly, but I'll say the Niners get to 20 and the Dolphins are at 17. So 20-17. Like, I just don't see either offense being able to put up a bunch of points. I don't, it's going to be a game with a lot of punts. I agree that Miami is not, I don't think they're going to go up and down the field on the Niners. I really don't. I think it's going to be 24-20 49ers. I think, like we said, Miami's going to get one. There'll be one big play, whether it's Waddle with a catch and run or Hill deep or whatever the case may be. They're going to get one. But I don't think overall that they're going to be able to do it unless the 49ers turn the ball over, in which case all bets are off. But, you know, so far, so good. San Francisco's been able to protect it most of the time. So I'm going to go 24-20, but it's a coin flip game, honestly. And and I, to be to be perfectly frank, I'll be happy when this week is over, when all this Mike McDaniels stuff with the Dolphins is over, and we could just focus on the damn football again. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if penalties play a role here because the Dolphins have given up or been called for the second fewest penalties on defense. So the Niners aren't likely to get an assist here. I interesting. I don't think they're going to need one. The Dolphins' defense stinks. Flex <laughs> your muscle a little bit, San Francisco. Make your head coach look good. Get the job done. I'll have to find somebody for the instant reacts, Levin. Thanks for nothing. I don't <laughs> enjoy your work, quote unquote. Which, by the yes. way, did you get the uh, prime rib for Thanksgiving when you were at work? Uh, ribeye, yeah. Oh, ribeye. Okay. Yep. Cooked. To perfection by me, <laughs> yeah. and very delicious. How do you cook it? Do you cook it at work? Is there like a grill? Yeah, yeah, we have a grill. You have a grill at work. Yeah, you say that like it's normal. And if I had wanted to, uh, we also have a smoker, but I wasn't dealing with that. I like my steaks grilled. Some people like to smoke their their steaks. It's like no, that's not one you smoke. But I have smoked ribs at work before on the weekend. Like, you say that like it's normal. Like, most people don't have a grill and a smoker at their workplace unless they work at a restaurant. I don't know. I've had a grill at work for 10 years now. For people that don't know, Levin works at a power plant. Like, this is Gas plant. It's not a power plant? No. It's just gas. Correct. And just to be clear, it's a gas plant, and you have a grill... (laughs) <laughs> with an open flame and a smoker there. Well, we're not in the plant. The control room is not in the plant for safety reasons. We're, I would say, probably pretty close to 100 yards. There's the plant where all the gas is, and that's up on top of the hill. And then there's the control room and the admin office and all that. That's down the hill in a blast-proof building. Blast-proof? Yeah. Worst-case scenarios. Jesus. Last work question. Did you cook just your ribeye or did you make it for everybody? Well, everybody would be two people. So, okay. So it was you and one other person. (laughs) 
Yeah, me and one other person, my coworker, the other operator. So yeah, I I do the cooking on my crew uh, for that. I'm good with the grill. I hate doing sides, and luckily he'll do the sides. So that's kind of our system, but every crew figures out their own system. I like to grill, cook the meat. A lot of times I bring in something like a pork tenderloin or something, even on our normal days. I'll cook that. He brings sides and he handles cooking the sides because I, I hate cooking sides. I hate doing a baked potato, as simple as that is. I hate dealing with preheating an oven and waiting and then getting it in. And you got to sit there and time it. Like Boy, it's really hard. It's so I difficult. I hate baking. I like cooking. I hate baking. But I'm somebody that's very good at eyeballing, knowing, being able to see like the steak and know when it what it's going to look like on the inside. So I don't bake because bake is baking's all about like very precise. Got to follow the recipe to a T. Got to pull it the exact minute it says to pull it. I freaking hate that. I feel like that should be right up your alley. You're you're all about rules and exact standards and timing and all of that. Uh, yeah, but what do you also know about me? I don't follow the rules. Well, that's true. That is true. You don't like I'm to be very outside of the box individual. <laughs> so potatoes are too bossy for eleven, apparently. Uh, potatoes get put in, and well, you know it says forty minutes, but if it's an hour, it's not like the potatoes get worse. You know, potatoes are one of those things you can leave in there. All right, I think we've delved enough. You just work at one of the weirdest <laughs> places ever. Uh, thank you, everybody. Please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Please keep your Spotify uh, tallies coming. They're really cool to see. It's a nice ego boost. I'm not going to lie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for supporting us. The thousands of you that always join on the Instant React. We love going through this season with you. So please keep that coming. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk next week. Next week.